Good morning, good good evening, good day. This is the Freewheeling Podcast. I'm Abby Mickey. I'm joined by Lauren Rowney. Lauren, how's it going? Good. You got such a big smile on your face, and it's so early in the morning. <laughs> that's because I've had my first however many sips of coffee, and that's the best time of day. Like, first five sips. Which sort of coffee drinker are you again? Are you like the, the Taylor Wiles? Uh, my God, what is it called? It's not. I use the V60. That's it. Drip. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Indeed. Amy, how are you doing over there? I'm good. I'm more of a cafetiere person at the moment because, well, funny story. That's not that funny, actually. It might be really boring. You can cut it out. But my parents had a really nice coffee machine. And when I came to stay with them, that was probably the thing I was most excited about, obviously, apart from seeing them. And my brother's taking it to his house. So no coffee Ooh. machine for me. Yeah. Oh, how did he get away with that? I have no idea. I'd love to know. That is bold. Yeah, favorite sibling, perhaps. Mm, I'm, <laughs> I'm suspecting that it might be the case. Yeah. Look, the, as long as it's not a Nescafe sach, satchel, sachet, sachet. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't stoop that low. Ground coffee in a Only French Carly press. Taylor does that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a load to talk about today. A lot of Tour de France speak, some less savory conversations regarding a certain director of a women's team. But before we dive into that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Zwift is one of the leading supporters of women's cycling with their sponsorship of the Tour de France Femme Avec Zwift. The virtual riding platform has put their money where their mouth is to help grow women's cycling. On Zwift, you can find anything from five week long workout plans to group rides and even racing. I'm currently three weeks into an FTP builder plan and I, I really love it. Every single one of the workouts is like an hour to an hour 15 long. So it's perfect to fit into my busy schedule. I don't stress about getting a big long ride in. It's like one hour done and dusted. And I feel like I'm actually getting fitter. I can't quite tell because I don't ride with humans, but my legs feel better and that's great. So loving the FTP builder on Zwift. Uh, They also have like a ton of workouts that are less than an hour long, which is really awesome if you're even more busy. And sometimes I'll do like a two day, two a day, which I think is, is great fun. Check out Zwift.com for more. And thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. It's uh, it's such a mental game, the FTP thing now, right? Because yeah. if you've uh, <laughs> been at a certain level and you come way, way back down, um, it can be a bit of a mind game. I'm looking forward to doing that actually in about, a month and a half. <laughs> I'm actually doing uh, some mountain bike racing later in the summer. Ooh. So I'm actually like going to try to get fit now, which is a little bit scary because before I was like, oh man, I'll just do the fun workouts. The time goes by so fast when you're riding on Zwift and you're doing the workouts because it's blocked into X minute long sessions. And so it an hour goes by you know, so fast. And I usually watch like The Bachelor or... The, ba- the Bachelorette or some trashy TV show while I'm riding Zwift. So that makes it go by even faster. And um, and now I'm like, okay, well, 
I want to do these mountain bike races. I don't have any ambitions, but now I actually need to get fit. And I'm super excited to have Zwift kind of coaching me through it because the only other option would be Tom's. And, um, and he's busy. Yeah. That's he's the got reason some stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> he's, his July is completely blocked out at this point. <laughs> All right. So the news before we kind of get into the news corrections corner on myself, I learned something new last week after we talked about Laura Capecchi signing for SD works and how she announced it way earlier than August 1st, which is, I believe the deadline or the, op- the window in which the teams can announce new signings. I was told by my lovely fiance that women actually don't have that rule. They're allowed to announce their new contract, contract signings, their team movements, whenever the heck they want. They don't have any kind of window. So that explains why that was so confusing. And also, we learned something new. I guess that if we do think back, there have been instances where... Do it, I guess, does this apply to transfers as well? So if someone's going to transfer... They, well, I guess with transfers, you can say it in May and then you transfer in June, correct? So it's a completely different thing, but. Yeah, June 1st, because this year, one of the um, Israeli girls on, who used to ride for Canyon SRAM, who uh, was, was on InstaFund, the Canadian UCI team, transferred to Kogas Mettler, I believe, um, the TT national champ. Okay. Rotem. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know her last name. I knew you would know. <laughs> also, um, Kata Blanca Vast, the hung- is it hung- she Hungarian? Oh um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That she's now on SD Works officially from mm-hmm. the first of June. So yeah, I guess there's evidence for that. I don't. I wonder if a. a- men man if a man if a man has ever transferred like mid-season because it happens in the women's peloton not all that often but it does happen pretty often i'd say it would happen more often right than the men's peloton well there's more money over there i feel like the there's more money there's more moving parts it's not so much just a rider going a, a team or a rider going to another team and being like, ah, oh, I'm not happy here. Or if they have a really good spring and they're on a smaller team, then they can jump ship to a bigger team. Like, and yeah, the whole Lorena Weebus uh, drama. She also jumped over June 1st from Park Hotel Valkenburg to uh, Sunweb at the time. So- I feel like continental teams on the women's side are a bit, it's like musical chairs a bit sometimes like, and I guess if you're not being paid anything, I mean, they've got, there isn't much to hold you to in terms of exactly, a contract. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, I suppose it works both ways as well. Like if a rider signed for a team, well, we'll get onto this later, but I was going to say, say you're on Dolcini, for example, and you want it out of there. <laughs> and you happen to be one of the best, Cyclocross racers. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, see ya. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, yeah, corrections corner on myself. And also, uh, in case anyone didn't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. All right. Back to the news. 
We had Nationals Week last week. We love Nationals Week. It is both infuriating and also super fascinating to watch who changes, who picks up the jersey from other riders. And um, yeah, so I think one of the main main talking points, if we just focus on the TT for a second, is that Chloe Dygart made a glorious comeback and won the U.S. ITT at Nationals. She didn't win by her usual minutes margin of her second place, but regardless, it's a really impressive result from someone who, what, six months ago thought that they would probably never race a bike again, or she probably never thought that, but the world definitely did. I mean, she must, she's been, clearly she's been doing training on the track, I would imagine, for for the pursuit. So I guess she's been getting the TT training in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's an impressive comeback. And one thing, the thing that I found really interesting was that she's down for the road race. We spoke about this a few episodes ago in Tokyo and she didn't race the road race at Nationals. Which yeah. means she hasn't raced a road race since Worlds in Yorkshire. Yeah. And she's racing the road race at at the Olympics. Really, really interesting point. Interesting as well. Yeah. Well, just going, you know, there's been a lot about the the US elections, hasn't there, in the media, um, and also conversations from the writers. But we, we've already been there. Um, she is so deserving of that TT spot, of course. She is the best time trialist in the US, and her coach, Gary Sutton, did say that, she was riding incredibly well. She's back to to the Chloe self, the one that collapses after doing an effort because she can just go so deep. And there's still time to build from the time that she did that US time trial. She's not peaking at the moment. It would be silly to be peaking at the Nationals instead of the Olympics. So I wouldn't discount her based on the fact, Abby, you said that she didn't win by her minutes. Normally she would probably win that time trial by at least a minute. Um, I'm, I'm personally not going to discount her as a, as a medal contender or gold medal contender for the Olympics just yet. Oh, I 100% think she's going to win the gold medal. Yeah, I, I'm still... Yeah, Annemiek van Vluden, you never know what she's going to do at the Olympics. And then, of course, Anna van der Bregen is Anna van der Bregen. And it's the Olympics. Sometimes we get some interesting surprises there. Um, Again, using that word, interesting. But, yeah, we we don't need to harp on about the fact that she is is taking a road um, race position, a spot, because we've been there. She's actually auto-qualified for the road race, I I found out, which is, um, yes, that makes sense given her performance at Yorkshire, but that was before the Olympics was postponed a year and before her incident, or her incident, her crash. So you'd think that that would change that. But yeah, we don't have to continue with talking about U.S. Olympic selections because... <clears throat> I need at least another cup of coffee before I get into that. <laughs> <laughs> then a gear change. When Lauren mentioning if we're gonna base like nationals TT form um, on potential Olympic form, then what do we think about Anna Meek coming fourth in the time trial? Oof. 
I mean, she's been fourth in the time trial before. She was fourth in 2019 in the time trial or 2018. But I think that wasn't an Olympic year. And because of that, it's it's honestly, it's shocking because she comes so good when she needs to. She knows how to really target her form and, and put it in the right place. And yes, there's still one month until the Olympic road race, a month and a day. So there's time to get a little bit of fitness, but that's a big jump to make. And I think for Chloe, she's, she can't really factor into this conversation. She's a little bit of a freak. Anamik is a little, like in a, in a completely fine, like in a, in a good way. We know what you mean. The super human athletes. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And Anamik is the same, but the, the thing with Anamik is that we've not seen anything near her top form at all this year, really since she crashed in the Giro. And because of that, her performance at nationals is really fascinating. Fourth in the, in the TT and nowhere in the road race. I mean, as she tried to attack a bit, but watching the live coverage of the road race, she, she did not look good. Yeah, I. you can come up a lot in five weeks, right? We, we know that. Um, and also, I've said it before, like we've seen athletes who are phenomenal at the Giro Rosa, which is very close to the Olympics, and then the Olympic road race day comes up and the people maybe we expected to, to be contenders for the medals aren't even there. Um, so it, it is... Yeah, coming fourth in the national championships. Um, she comes second to Anna Vanderbregen by a small margin. Then you would go, okay, it was, you know, it's Anna Vanderbregen. But again, she did come down from altitude. I know she she does, um, yeah, adapt well from altitude training. And I'm not sure how she is when she first come, she comes down, but we know that she trains really big kilometres um when she is doing these big blocks so there would have been a lot of fatigue in her legs um yeah i that that's sort of just my line of thinking with her performance at nationals and if she didn't quite have that punchiness it's it could also be quite understandable um in the road race based on her training yeah i think it'll be interesting to see to see how she goes the one of the really one of the best um science experiments prior to the Olympics was the Giro Rosa and then the Worlds a week after last year because that's kind of similar to what they're going to do this year. There's a little bit bigger of a gap between the two for the Olympics and the Giro Rosa, but there there were definitely riders that went really well at the Giro Rosa and then come the Worlds, they they fell flat. Kasia Nimadoma is one of them who was second at the Giro Rosa last year and then at the Worlds she said she just felt felt terrible so it's it is gonna be fascinating watching what that does to some riders definitely some are skipping i don't know if cash is racing. let's also remember that 2016 they had to fly to rio so we're talking now flying to japan which is even further um so that could factor in as well to anime's decision to skip the duro because 
you think 10 days of racing in your legs, I don't know what the travel plan will be, and then jumping on a long-haul flight, it's sometimes not the best. And they, they aren't allowed to, like, go a, 10 days earlier, a week early, and, and train there and kind of acclimate. They aren't allowed to do that because of the COVID restrictions. And also, I they don't have to quarantine for a week ahead or however many days like the plan was but I think they do have to quarantine for like two days maybe until they get a certain number of tests so that's gonna be for people who don't like riding a trainer that's gonna be interesting although I don't think that they're allowed to we can look into this before the actual Olympics and also things are changing so fast when it comes to COVID restrictions that there's no point in really harping on about the COVID restrictions right now because in a month it's going to be completely different. But um, the I, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to go train outside on the roads. Like they're not allowed to in, intermingle with the public. And that is when you're riding on a road, you're intermingling with the public. So that's kind of going to be fascinating compared to, you know, when they usually go to a race and they're, they can go out and spin their legs and stuff. And, and now they're just like sit, sat in their, um, in their rooms. They can't even go to the McDonald's. I think that's going to be a whole, um, (laughs) podcast in itself. The preview. For sure. Back to nationals (laughs) briefly. Back to nationals. Yeah. Guys, (laughs) So Amy has got an impressive list. I knew you were a list person. I Amy, you you want to hit us with some of that list? I'm so analog. Like I have to write things down. I wrote an article yesterday about like all the new and unchanged national champions, and I had to write it all down because that's the only way it works in my head. And so I even color coded the non movers and the the new ones and all that stuff. So. Wow. Guys, it was Christine Myers' 12th year in a row winning. I didn't realize this is her third Olympics as well. She's amazing. It's it's incredible. Um, wow. What would we do if she was just in a normal SD works? How would we ever find her? You wouldn't. We wouldn't. <laughs> um, who else? Is- Mavi Garcia was really impressive. Um, obviously, we got to watch a bit of the... That was a really fun race to rock, yeah. watch. And her, when um, Anna San- Anne Saint and Esteban crashed with like nine kilometers to go and Mavi waited, that was like my heart. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I love women's cycling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really, yeah. That was great to watch. Um, Emily Diedrichson out sprinting Emma Norsgaard. That was a wow. Hmm. Yep. Cool to see her in the National Champs jersey. Um, again, I'm guessing she's won it before. Yes, she has. Yeah. Yes. Um, who else? Avita Music, obviously, and we watched that one too. Yeah, that was a really interesting one. That was, um, I was really kind of hoping that uh, Audrey would get the double because it would just be like a big F you to <laughs> the French Olympic selection committee um because she was quite emotional on her social media about that decision but she that sprint was I mean can you call it a sprint it was really (laughs) fascinating um I'm like 
equally disappointed that I won't see Audrey in the national champ kit anymore because you get like so used to seeing them. Oh, yeah. Especially since we've been two years now, basically. Well, she's been one year, but I guess for Ruth, that's going to be bizarre. Um, But the sprint in the French national championships, it was like all five of them lined up across (laughs) the road. (laughs) Evita went for the classic if when in doubt, lead it out kind of mindset. And she went first and you you saw Audrey look at her and like just wait a split second too long. And that's when the other rider who was third, the two of them sprinting on either side of Audrey kind of boxed her in a little bit because she's a pretty good sprinter. She's got a kick on her. So seeing her not win was bizarre, but I think it was it was a matter of um just ill-timed sprinting but on the other hand Avita Music is such an such an exciting young rider that is really cool that she won the French national championships yeah yeah um I saw Audrey yesterday and I didn't recognize her because I was looking for the jersey so like you said it's gonna take some adjustment I do know her riding style on the bike so I was like that's definitely Audrey but yeah I think the winner for bonus years in the jerseys goes to the Brits, though. That's like... Yeah, Alice gets to keep wearing yeah. it until September. <laughs> yeah, I think it's October, October, actually. Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. Um, And then I guess Lauren Stevens. What do you think of that? Well, we didn't even mention her in our, um, our top three picks or something. We did discuss this, the US Championships. Um, so that was poor of us not to mention, but yeah, well, let's, let's uh, let Abby delve into this one. Well, I've heard from inter talking, talking from the riders who were in the race that Lauren Stevens attacked in the feed zone. while eight of the other riders were grabbing bottles because it was 95 degrees Fahrenheit and it was their last chance to feed. So that is poor form. <laughs> so for ever heard of it. for for the listeners, you can attack in the feed zone. There's no it's rule allowed. against it, yeah. but you just don't. And our national championships is run on the same bloody course every year. It's Australia. It's summer, and it's it can be forty plus degrees in that road race. And obviously the feed is every lap on this hill and it's the only hill in the race. So this is where the race is made and lost. Is that Bunny Yong, mate? Yeah. There you go, Amy. <laughs> Did we oh, like my God. That? Sorry. I'll never do that again. Uh, <laughs> Abby, you've got to keep that in. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's really like I've seen people throw their water bottles at people that have attacked through there because you just don't. Corinne yelled at her. Don't do it. <laughs> The U.S. course is also, it, they've been running it on that course since 2017, so for a couple years now, and it's a freaking weird course, and there's very limited opportunities to attack. That is one of the spots, but it's also just, I mean, congrats to Lauren. Like, she still rode away. She still was able to get a get a gap and and ride to the finish, um, and at that point the the eight riders who were chasing would have been chasing quite hard because um, you don't attack in the feed zone. <laughs> and 
was like, you learn that as a cat five, cat four in the very beginning of your career. And, um, Allison Powers screams at you one time for attacking the feed zone. You never do it again because (laughs) that's like, you know, uncool, very uncool. An unwritten rule of cycling is not to attack in the feed zone, but she still, she still stayed away till the end and she won. And it was like really impressive. It was impressive ride. Um, with Corinne second and the this new rider who I've never heard of, who I am really excited to chat with at some point. I think I'm going to reach out to her and see if she wants to do an interview because the girl who got third almost outsprinted Corinne, and that is like that course is. If there's any rider that that course suits, it's Corinne because it's a poppy climb to the finish. That's like. 100 meters, 200 meters. I keep saying like, and I really want to stop saying like. 200 meters, and then you turn right, left. You turn left, and whoever comes out of that turn first wins. There's no way to overtake on the slight downhill to the finish at that point. And Corinne came out of that turn first of the rest of the peloton, or the rest of the group. It was, I think, eight at that point. And and she almost got out sprinted, which I have it on good authority that Corinne was riding really, really well at the nationals and that she was probably the strongest in the race, which is great if you think about the Olympics coming up. And But the fact that she almost got out sprinted by someone who's, you know, not a, a professional is really cool. And yeah, but as far as the, the U.S. nationals, congratulations to Lauren. Um, going back to the third place ride I saw on um, the Slack channels, slack channel for velo club that she was a cat four or five just two years ago or something like that so again highly highly impressive we do Mm. see these riders though that's uh, quite often from the u.s start a lot later and they just come through the ranks so quickly obviously a lot of natural talent um Mm -hmm. curious to see where where she goes after this so yeah it's weird because the i think similar to australia there's like no racing in the u.s so it's so hard to to show yourself yeah so it'll be interesting to see if she's able to kind of get over to europe and try herself over here because especially with covid but also with road racing in the u.s it's kind of dying the crit scene is huge and growing but when it comes to road races they're just left and right they're evaporating so That'll be really interesting to see from her if she's able to kind of get over here. Because, yeah. Anyway, returning to nationals, Amy, what else we got? Um, What else have I got? Um, Amy Peters. Yes, that was awesome. That was a great race. 12 years she's been chasing it, so they said in the media. Um, such an exciting rider and to finally get that jersey. I mean, winning, like, the Dutch National Championships, we've said this before, it's like, if you can win there, you can win the worlds. Really. <laughs> mm-hmm. So SD Works ain't that the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> SD Works gets the the jersey again, and yeah, incredible race. A little embarrassing for Yumbo Visma to go two three. You never want to go two three. That's never good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, how many years is the I might be wrong, actually. It might not be as long as I think, but I feel like SD Works slash Bowles Dolmans have had that jersey for a very long time now. I think the last person to have it that wasn't on 
SD Works slash Post Almonds was maybe um, Coaster. Yep. And that's a few years ago now. Yeah. When she, she was, was on Rabobank? Was it that? She was. No, when she won the Nationals recently, I believe she was on Park Hotel Valkenberg. Yeah, I can't. Amy's fact check cornering us. <laughs> we'll know soon. <laughs> SD Works have got something like, I think it's six national champion jersey jerseys now little stat little fun fact it'd be fun in the race like if you had all the national champions in one race <laughs> no one's wearing the same jersey <laughs> i i find it hard at the best of times to like recognize when every season when jerseys change i'm just like what is life um actually i was entirely wrong because lorena vibes won while she was running for pocket hill valkenberg in 2019 oh, which feels like course. 100 years ago but obviously that feels like forever ago <laughs> everything pre-covid <laughs> yeah yeah but that yeah because she when she went to sd works slash sunweb sd works when she went to sunweb she was the national champion yeah. What is memory? I mean, that was in the before times, so fine. That was pre-COVID, and yes. that was a different world. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not really much else. Oh, yes, there is. Elise Shabby lost the Swiss national jersey, which I'm like, I have no affiliation to Rafa, but I'm just sad to not see that jersey anymore. Agreed. That jersey is so cool, yeah. and her canyon bike is also super cool, so that's pretty sad honestly <laughs> but Molly Rusa yeah great result won the won both of them yeah and she's going to the olympics so she's crazy strong she's so strong yeah um Elisa Longaborghini kept hers Lada Capecchi kept hers uh yeah Lisa Brenauer Lisa yeah Lisa Brenauer won the german one she's been riding so well this year like consistently the whole season so that's really cool to see again Mm -hmm. yeah super cool all right shall we move on from the nationals yes chuck my notepad away to what (laughs) i love that you keep she's gonna pull out the other notepad now (laughs) writing with my hands though uh this one uh okay i mean we're like I can't speak for you two, but I'm like happy to talk about this in that the like, movement has been made, but I'm very, very unhappy to talk about this because of many reasons. But Mark Bracca was on Wednesday of this week, uh, suspended for three years. At least it wasn't retroactive, <laughs> Patrick Van Gansen. But he he was suspended for three years. He will be allowed to return to women's cycling in 2024 um, as long as he takes a uh, sexual harassment seminar. And this is is the guy that, if anyone has forgotten, asked a 24-year-old girl to please send him photos in her underwear and bra so that he could see how fit she was because uh, that makes total sense, business. But... Yeah, he was suspended. Um, The statement by the team was super disappointing, honestly. I'm pretty sure he just wrote it. Um, 
but it was it basically tried to pin Marion Sycott under the bus and say that she made up all of these charges so that she could get a lesser sentence on her doping ban for EPO that was in 2019, I believe. But, I mean, I think the whole point was that she was, like, bullied into doping by this guy, and regardless of whether or not that is the truth, other women came forward as well. So there's really no... I mean, at this point, he's not allowed in the sport, right? But he's signed the team over to his girlfriend who's now running it. And so behind the scenes, we don't know how much pull he still has. I imagine that it's a good amount. And (laughs) so yesterday at the Lotto Belgium Tour, his, his girlfriend who now runs the team Ask the ask the tour for a minute of silence before the race. Give me fucking strength. Did they actually? So I was there at the start yesterday. Okay, they like literally laughed. Okay, all right, because I kind of missed this. I was busy talking to someone, but um, when when they did not give him a minute of silence (laughs) because to clarify, that's just so so wrong on so many levels, but. I mean, you give a minute of silence, it's always to a rider we've lost or a staff member or something like that. So it was disgusting. Their their post on Twitter had not one positive response from yeah, the public. People were just, it was, yeah. the, the word getting thrown around was disgraceful. Um, and one guy did make a valid point, let's not drag the riders under the bus because... You know, I'm pretty sure they've been roped into this as well. I mean, and Abby and I have spoke about this at length, how some people would be thinking if you're a writer, how the hell could you stay on such a team with with such a, a reputation with this guy? But again, there's so few options for a lot of these young women trying to come through that they will stay in these like environments of abuse we don't know what he what he's been doing since um the first allegations came out um but yeah in 2019 mind you and it's 2021 and he's only just been removed and this is is because of the new uci law right the way that they've changed how it works that the disciplinary Next, for the next case, it'll be changed. But yeah. for yeah. this one, it was still, yeah, it had to go first through the UCI Ethics Committee, which ruled in on October 9th of 2020 that he had uh, violated the Code of Ethics. And then he continued to work in the sport until yesterday um, and, and continued to drive the car and continued to direct these young women. And he, the... We talked about it during during the um, the classics that the Flanders organization, the Flanders Classics organization, um, released a statement telling him that he wasn't welcome at their events. So they tried to do something, but the guy was still running the team until yesterday, and has only like if you go on the UCI website and you look who's the team manager now, it's his girlfriend. Yeah, and it all comes back to whose shoulders does this fall on? Our governing body who's meant to protect everyone who's involved in the sport. So I know Amy's got a lot she wants to say. I'm going to let her jump in. Yeah. Facial expressions on. have been great <laughs> up to this moment. 
Oh god. Now, I mean, for me, like the so the solution or the the kind of obvious, I don't know, answer to the question of well, if he's just handed it over to his girlfriend and he's still kind of you know controlling the team from afar, what are the sponsors doing? <laughs> like how the sponsors are still supporting this team. Like, I don't want to see a team fold. I don't want to see all of these riders now struggling to find a spot on another team because Lauren's right. There's so limited opportunities on the small teams that actually get into the big races to be able to be part of that and make the jump onto a better team. But I cannot believe the sponsors haven't pulled out which is what happened with the HealthMate team. Mm -hmm. As soon as Patrick Van Gansen was found guilty and all of that came forward before he was even suspended, the team removed him. The sponsors removed him from, they, 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 yeah, they took it into their own hands. But Dolcini Van Eyck is still sponsoring the team. And that's crazy to me because that statement that he put out yesterday on the team's social media, that's got their name on it. I mean, imagine you're working. What is Dolcini Van Eyck? I think... I believe it's a bike they, shop. Aren't they separate? Isn't Dolcini like clothing? And then Van Eyck Oh, yeah. Is- and Van Eyck is the, the shop. Yeah. 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 So imagine you're a woman working for one of those brands and whether or not they're aware of what's happening for professional world of cycling i don't know you'd assume so particularly if you work in a bike shop or a cycling clothing brand but like how would that make you feel um because it all comes down to feeling safe in the workplace if you spoke to a random woman on the street and told her the story that you know in her company there had been a man um there were allegations against a man within the company who was in um yeah a position of power and several women had come forward and said that, you know, they'd been sexually harassed in some shape or form that wouldn't be ignored. You would hope. And I, I, I don't think so, but it comes back to as well um, that just the cycling industry as a whole is just so far behind everything else in the world still to this day. Um, I listened to Brooke Hopper from Live Cycling, um, who's a global marketing manager, and she she's come across from a different sport into cycling. She said that was the first thing that just she found was that she was just dealing with it was a uh, white, white middle aged men, and um, you know she's just constantly it's just a constant fight for women. The problem, the biggest issue here as well is the complete lack of remorse and not only that but victim blaming that's going on the that statement like to be fair to the UCI how many times have I said this now twice are we keeping a tally do I need to take a shot every time are you sick (laughs) not anymore um (laughs) (laughs) um no but you know after they released that the team released that very misguided statement the UCI came back with their own saying they didn't agree with it and about protect I can't remember the wording of it but essentially it was about protecting the character or the the kind of reputation of of Marion Seeker which yeah you know you can say whatever you want about her taking EPO but it's not that cut and dry like it's not literally just like bad like doping bad like you know what I mean like it's 
a nuanced situation where she's clearly been coerced into it or so she's saying which why would we not believe her when multiple other riders have come forward with allegations about the same person um Mm. so you know in the age of me too why are we seeing victim blaming like this and why are we seeing it allowed to happen and if the person responsible and the team responsible allowed to continue um it's just yeah and that's what concerns me about I mean three years as well it's not that long it's not you know, given the tone, given the general complete like denial and lack of remorse coming from him, I think, you know, unlike Van Hansen, who was just like, women's cycling doesn't deserve me, I'm going, Rah. like, bye, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> like, you know, he he decided to throw a tantrum. And I'd rather that though than, than him, than Bracker, who's going to just come straight back whenever he can do some poxy course that's not going to do anything and say he's, you know, he's not, he's not going to come back as like a feminist, is he? Come on, let's be real. Like, so. He's not learned the error of his ways. No, no. No. And that's another thing with this sport is if you look at it, it just, it's the same people that stain it too. I have to admit though, we are seeing more women involved in professional cycling, which is fantastic. More DSs, more female staff, more which which is what we need but in general you're 100 right particularly here in belgium amy the, these guys stay in the sport until they literally can't no more <laughs> which well, is just the only because thing of we age can hope, yeah the only thing we can hope i suppose is that in three years time the landscape and the attitudes have changed enough so that even if he wants to come back then there's enough you know safeguarding and there's enough in place and the rejection of that kind of attitude and culture that he might not be accepted or find a team or find a job I don't know that's the only consolation I suppose but three I don't know is three years with multiple allegations is it enough I don't think so no he should be banned for life yeah he should be banned for life he should not be allowed back in the sport and honestly after the statement yesterday and the fact that He's handed the team over to his, girlfriend. his partner. Is the UCI should just strip their license at this point? Yeah. So they. This is what also like rattles my chain. Is that even an expression? I don't know. But you just uh, made it up. Make it I just made it yeah. up. That's that's something new <laughs> that I'm gonna put out there. Because you know when you ride over the cobbles and your chain's rattling, it is the worst. There, there we you go. go. Thank Lauren, you for the save. Yeah, I coined a phrase. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, going back to what I was saying, dopers get banned for life. And that's something, okay, doping is, uh, yeah, it can be an individual action. It taints the sport in some way, but that's just performance, okay? You go to the Olympics and you get silver because the gold medalist was doping, but sexual harassment is something that can affect you for the rest of your life. I mean, we, we've seen multiple examples where women who've been through similar experiences to this, um, it's not been covered in the media, but I know for a fact that they moved away from the sport and never came back because yeah, of yeah. these experiences. So it's a psychological trauma that's the lasting impact. And I don't think that's been taken into account, really. 
I mean, given the fact he was allowed to continue hanging around, I mean, imagine that you, you know, you're still racing and you keep seeing him at races. Like, fuck that. Anyway. And these, at least these two cases, the Van Gansen case and, and now this one, have exposed the issues in the system. And the UCI has changed a lot of the proceedings when it comes to this. And given the Ethics Commission, who seem to be a lot more proactive when it comes to this than the disciplinary commission, given them the power to remove someone from the sport before they've even made a decision. They can, they can remove someone from the sport um, preliminary, preliminarily. Is that a word? (laughs) When, when complaints are first made. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, on the positive side, we can hope that next time this happens and Good God, I it breaks my heart that I have to say next time this happens and not maybe next time this happens because we all three know that there's more instances in the sport that just haven't come to light. Um, so next time this happens, hopefully that means that things will move quicker because the timeline for this, the first complaint was made in 2019 and it is May of 2021 and... We had a pandemic last year um, where you could have Zoom calls for hours every day. And what were people doing? So, like, I <laughs> feel like things could have moved a little bit faster. But, uh, yeah, at least there's been some changes in, in the system that will, I mean, I really hope help next time we, we have a case like this. With some credit as well to the Cyclist Alliance for making extensive recommendations to the ethics commission at the UCI um Mm -hmm. so I'm pretty sure in the background that's they would have played a huge part in why all this would have happened so yeah yeah I mean they're we we love the cyclist alliance for what they're doing and how they're changing women's cycling and really pushing it to be a better environment for the riders because the riders are the most vulnerable in every situation and no one has their back. So the cyclist Alliance, we can't, we can't thank them enough for the work that they do. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Speaking of the minute of silence at the Lotto Belgian tour that didn't happen. (laughs) The Lotto Belgian tour is going on. That's wild to me. I can't believe they asked for that. Anyway, the Lodge Belgium Tour is going on. Stage two was on Wednesday, and first stage was won by Ellen Van Dyke. TT, a TT. Uh, Ellen Van Dyke won. Eleanor Backstead was second, which is awesome. She's She go, she was super injured last year mm-hmm. and, uh, and ha- hasn't really come back from that yet. And her Instagram post about getting second um, was very adorable, for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> Lorena Weebus won stage two, so yet another win for her. She is killing it. And the rest of the stages will be on GCN Plus if anyone wants to watch them. Bike racing. Whoop, whoop. It's great. Uh, your Linda Hora is in great form. She got third in the prologue, and then she's wearing the leader's jersey at the moment. So she's right up there. Fire in the belly, her and Lotta Kopecky. Um, 
are both <laughs> are oh, both yeah. riding really well ahead of the Olympic Games. So that's really cool to see the Madison duo riding for Belgium here in the Belgian Lotto Tour. Yes, agreed. Kopecky said at the Nationals that she didn't have good legs, and so she just rode away. <laughs> yeah, but she, I spoke to a couple of riders. That's and some Vanderpol shit. <laughs> yeah, but she really, she wasn't feeling that great, and that's why she she saved it all for that last bit where she just went balls out and, and won. Um, your Lynn wasn't having a great day that day, and then two days later, boom, she's she's smashing it today and tomorrow are actually really hard stages for the race so if you listen to the podcast definitely check it out there is a live stream um it's going to be really exciting racing ellen van dyke is in top notch form so even though she lost the jersey yesterday i i'm gonna put my money on her which is awesome because she's one of the riders who had covid during the spring and She's a couple of the other uh, riders who've had, who have had it have not been able to come back to their um, top form. So seeing Ellen be able to do that, because we know Chloe Hosking has been suffering with the, the aftermath of COVID. I know one of the men as well. So it's um, awesome that she's, that she's back because that sucks apparently that whole string of covid that happened on the trek team in the spring was due to the staff at the hotel that they stayed in at the flanders classics which is here in bruges speaking of racing we got lacorse on saturday which we know that we've talked about our feelings when it comes to lacorse but this is potentially the last lacorse and say what you will it's still going to be an exciting race because it's women's cycling. So I will be on the ground at La Course. Follow um, either the Cycling Tips Instagram live or mine because I will definitely be taking some some uh, some live video from the race. It's going to be pretty straightforward. The course, they do kind of like a lollipop into laps. Um, they start in breast and then they have laps in liver renew. Can't. Again, there's a lot of vowels in that word name anyone Anyone? Um, i feel like because you're british amy and british people seem to speak a bit of french (laughs) like you you've got this surely no 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 i mean they do speak french in this country where i'm living as well but i have enough hard i have a hard time with dutch so i'm not even gonna go there i only do spanish Hit me up for your Spanish needs, but French, no thanks. They do laps. Um, they fin- they have finishing laps, which are kind of hilly, not super hilly, but there is a lump in the in the profile, so that is going to be. And it finishes up the lump. It finishes on the top of the lump. <laughs> the lump. So. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Marion Voss. We haven't really seen her do much since the Ardennes, but I think in a standard setting, this would be a great course for her. Um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see who is there. I think I'm really excited to see how Lizzie's riding Dagnan because um, this is going to be the first like real, real test of hers before 
before uh, the Olympics for the last one day race before. Um, and she was also one of the riders that was sick, never confirmed COVID, but was sick in the spring and had a really rough early season, but rode really, really well at the, um, tour de Swiss. And I mean, the course looks good for Lizzie as well. So Mm -hmm. we'll see who are your guys picks. Let's make some picks. Let's make some predictions. This again. This again. I I don't want to be wrong. That's what Amy's thinking. No, that's what I'm thinking. I do hate being wrong. Have you noticed? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bit of Demi Voller in, I reckon, maybe. Oh, good shout. Yeah. Mm. Well, if it finishes up, it depends how hard this climb is, isn't it? Um, But yeah, I would go for a Lizzie Dignett. Yeah. The three riders you just mentioned, Mariana Voss, uh, Demi Vollering, or Lizzie Dignan. Is it too steep? Is it too much for Corinne, do we think? I mean, she's on good. Corinne's there. The thing with Corinne is that if she's she's riding super well, apparently, from inside sources, but I am curious what the team environment is like Mm -hmm. for her and how much that impacts her racing in Europe versus when she was racing the Nationals. Bummer. does play a huge part right um mm. we do see sometimes riders that do blocks with their national team and just come out flying from it and then they go back to their trade teams and they're they're not quite themselves so mm-hmm. interesting i obviously don't know like i don't know anything about about that but i we've talked about sunweb slash dsm in the past and i wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of a situation. She's been on that team for a really long time at that, at this point since 2016, seven, 2017, 2017, 2017. So anywho, on the very sparse, still very sparsely populated, uh, start list. What mm-hmm. are we three days before two days before, um, mm-hmm. Anna van der Breggen's there. Do we think she'll be going for it? Or do we think that they're going to be giving it, giving it a bit of Demi? for that one i mean it's a you can't ever really say like the course doesn't suit her because that's just yeah, a thing exactly for anna vanderbreken but i think i think this course doesn't suit her mm. I, I, just because just because it suits other riders on sd works better and she's not one to try to take a win if her teammate has the chance to win that's just not her mo so if the course suits demi better which i think it might i don't think anna would have a problem riding for demi let's um i mean also throwing grace brown she's there i'm guessing hmm. um i'm gonna throw in kasha as well all right i'm throwing in grace brown i'm going for the aussie card here i'm throwing in cecilia ludwig i'm throwing it no (laughs) she didn't have a great national no she didn't i was just saying names (laughs) (laughs) uh all right the very last piece before we move on because this is a super long episode we had a lot to discuss um is that zwift is sponsoring the women's tour de france the tour de france femme avec zwift for four years and what we have talked about in the past with the tour de France and the, and the ASO and the women, and we don't have to get into it, but I must say that 
Zwift sponsoring the race does fuel my hope that the race is going to be an absolutely fantastic event because Zwift has no problem putting their money behind the women's Peloton. And they've proved that time and time again. Now when Zwift got involved in the virtual tour de France, the women and the men had completely equal races, equal prize money, equal stages, like equal distances, everything was equal. And with the, with Zwift coming on board for the tour de France femme, uh, I think this is just amazing. Just, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I think anyone who's listening and has been to a Zwift organized event can say the events are run so well. Um, they put so much thought and energy and time into it. People who work for the company are just so passionate about cycling, particularly women's cycling. Since the get-go, you think um, with the Zwift Academy, that was where they their first huge investment was was in women's cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, so no doubt this this gives me a lot of hope to see a sponsor like that behind such an event. Um, and there's some other big names that are sponsoring jerseys and getting involved as well. I think Live Cycling is in there, which is a brand that is dedicated to women, by women, for women. Um, so it's it's all looking really positive. My stomach just gave like a very aggressive rumble. So I think that that is the perfect time <laughs> to end this podcast. <laughs> Once again, comments about Zwift sponsoring Tour de France completely unrelated to their sponsorship of the of this podcast as well because we just i mean clearly they're they're supporting women's racing because we talk about women's racing not the point we're done thank you so much for listening to this episode we will be back next week with a little bit of on the ground lacourse action i'm gonna hang out with jojo harper in the trek segafredo follow car and get some get some behind the scenes take on someone who photographs women and that'll be really fun so thanks everyone for listening and uh thank you two for once again coming in with your hot takes (laughs) have fun abby not jealous at all